You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. If he's gonna do it, and I have only one qualification if he does it, he has to do it before Liverpool plays over here in the International Champions Cup so that we can make arrangements to go watch him play in California. Or as we say, the only cup that really matters. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god. At the moment. Yeah. <laughs> We got a pretty good draw, though. I think. I think, considering how lucky we've been the last two years, I think we got still got a pretty good draw this year. Well, I mean, we're totally underplaying the fact that we get to see Munich, who truthfully is arguably the best squad in the world. I mean, if you want to argue Barcelona, I totally understand. I, and I, I probably it, say Barcelona is better. Yeah, but I mean, to me, Munich is. If Munich is not number one, they're number one A. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, that's. <laughs> I think we just don't care about Baron, but I, I think well, you're right. That's some world class football right there. I mean, I think it'd be fucking awesome to see him. It's just my my only question with anyone this year is what are we going to see at that point of the year with Euros? That's a good point, actually. When <laughs> when is uh, Euros done? Um, let me. I'll look it up real quick. Around the. Is it around like the fourth of July, maybe? Uh, that would be pretty baller. Um, let's see. The only thing I think might might help us see a few, at least at least kind of in the first half, at least, would be uh, that they're whoever they're bringing in to replace Pep uh, would probably want to at least maybe start to get a feel for um, the group he wants to put out. Well, I mean, you say whoever. I mean, it's it's Ancelotti. Well, it's not confirmed yet. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked well, if that yeah, happened. Yeah, I mean, basically it is. I oh, mean, it is? I didn't like, I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, it's uh, it, Ancelotti's coming kind of like Pep's going to City. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that's been confirmed for a few months. Ever yeah. since Pep said was leaving, they went out and they got Ancelotti. Oh, damn, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Carlos, uh, you know, so, you know, he's not coaching this year. So, I mean, he, I'm quite sure that he's very, very close. Yeah. Um... Euro final is July 10. Yeah, I figured it would be around for the July. So, I mean, that would only be three weeks after. Yeah. Uh, we might, And, of course, you figure Germany's going to make a deep run. Yeah. So, you know, we might not see a lot of Mueller. Yeah. Um, that, that group. You, know, they, you might see Robin because he's not, he's not playing in Euro. Might see who? You'll see Robin because he's not in Euro. Yeah, yeah, Robin should be there. Um, oh, might not see Ribari. Yeah. Um, 
But hey, we might get to see Julian Green. <laughs> what a dick. I know you're not even joking, and you're not even joking. I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm saying, I mean, seriously, if he's on the roster, I mean, that would be that'd be a great time to put him out there. I mean, he's in America. That's going to be a draw, I guess. Yeah. God. Cheer. Oh, man. I just uh, want to see Polish Superman. I want to see Lewandowski. Oh, I hope so. Louis. Ah, oh, Louis. Ah, oh, Louis, Louis. Louis, Louis. But, Ed, uh, of course, it will be Bayern. It will be Inter. Yep. In, uh, in, in Pantherland this year in Charlotte. And, of course, Ed, you know who will be there once again. It will be you and me and the A Foreign Affair Podcast. That it... he made the company. Oh, we love the company, and we're thinking about them in our hearts and prayers this week. Welcome to episode ninety-nine of the A Foreign Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw. And uh, like we said, uh, we do have a lot to talk about uh, with the Europa League uh, finishing their round of 16 this past Thursday. We have draws for the next round in Champions League and Europa League. We have a Premier League weekend to recap, uh, friendlies to talk about, news and notes, and so much more. But but first, it hasn't been a good week um, for, for a lot of people over in Europe. Uh, the, the biggest one, of course, is the the tragic bombings that happened in Brussels this past week. Um, I believe the last count, it was 35 dead, over 100 injured. And, and, and Wes, you sort of alluded to it. We, we are known as the company. And we took that after a great Belgian football player, Vincent Company. Um, and, and as someone who, as we saw kind of in the lead up to the 2014 World Cup, really tried to bring what is a very divided country, both in terms of language, in terms of culture, together to get behind one team. And and now more than ever, you know, Belgium is hurting. And unfortunately, Bel- what Belgium needs right now is unification, Wes. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a country. It's not a big country. No. Um but there, it's a country that's divided by two languages. Yes. Um, don't ask me the other one. I know Flemish is one of them. I believe the other is French. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, but um, you know, the Belgian national team has been sort of an inspiration for that country over the last uh, maybe three, four years, um, with the fact that you've got, uh, you know, you've got native. Belgians who are, you know, came up in different ways, but have come together to kind of form about as good a Belgian squad as we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years. Um, Somewhat reminiscent of France 98, where, you know, that was a team that was, uh, that was a melting pot squad that won the World Cup for France in, in Paris of all places. Um, and that was a team that really unified the French people, really brought them together. And, uh, you know, you're kind of hoping this Belgian squad, it's kind of, it's got shades of that France team. And you're hoping that uh, this Belgian squad will be able to maybe do the same thing for their homeland 
and now add on the terrorist attacks this week and it just uh you know it just kind of takes on a whole new meaning of bringing everybody together certainly they will be uh they they initially had canceled their upcoming friendly against portugal uh instead uh due to increased security they will actually just be moving it to portugal it was going to be in belgium uh it will now be in portugal um the uh, maybe maybe shades of of 2013 boston was something we've talked about a lot on this podcast wes and uh maybe maybe this is something that they can look to a, a similar you know the the death count not similar but but another bombing in another area with a team uh and a in a group uh, uh, you want to talk about melting pot boston very provincial um and and they rallied around their team maybe the same thing kind of happens with belgium well and also you know we we think back to the not so distant past uh with the uh the terrorist attacks in in in, uh, in paris yes absolutely so, and of course, Paris is, well, I, I believe that is going to be the site of the Euro final this year as uh, France is the host. Uh, no, that will so, not actually be. And I only know that because we literally just looked it up when we were talking earlier. It's not actually going to be Paris. Where is the final? Uh, I believe it's, uh, not, it's not Saint-Étienne. It's um... literally how can you have it anywhere other than Paris, but anyway. Uh, you go on with what the rest of what you were going to say, and I will tell you in, when you are done. Well, nothing else. I mean, France is playing in France. Let's put it that way. Um, so, you know, they're, they're obviously going to be really emotionally uh, into this tournament. And I believe, you know, you could get the same thing from Belgium. Um, <clears throat> you, you just hope for Belgium that it will be, um, it will be a situation where they come together and not so much uh, kind of fall apart, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the final for Euro 2016 this summer on July 10th will be at the Stade de France. Uh, that is in Saint-Denis. Uh, we, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, which, is, which is just north of Paris. Um, so it's very, very close to Paris. Um, and this is, of course, where uh, the 1998 World Cup final was also contested, as well as a host okay, of... So it is basically Paris basically yeah All right, I mean you're basically saying I mean it's kind of I mean it's kind of like you know the San Francisco 49ers playing Santa Clara exactly yeah but it, so, but you still say oh yeah it was in San Francisco yeah <laughs> um unfortunately this was uh not the only scenes of violence and 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 other unfortunate incidents in the soccer world we're just going to try to we don't want to gloss over them we don't want to rush through them but we do want to get these out before we we transfer into the actual soccer talk uh fans were killed in uh in a moroccan riot during a football match two spectators were killed in casablanca uh it was uh Another 54 were injured at the contest at the Mohammed V Stadium on Saturday night. This, according to uh, Matt Jones over at Bleacher Report, uh, there was a riot between supporter groups for Raja de Casablanca, the home side, during their match with Shabab Rif Al Hosemia, uh, Hosema. Excuse me about that. Um, and and there is a a lot of violent footage in there. Um, finally. Uh, going to Turkey, uh, Galatasaray versus Fenerbahce, uh, a big derby in Turkey with two teams we were very familiar with through European competition. Uh, they postponed their match this past weekend amid security fears. Um, it was going to take place Sunday night, 
and it's uh, it's going to be um, rescheduled after the Istanbul bombing that took place. Uh, it, uh, Istanbul, four people died on Saturday, according to uh, Essay Toksabi and Ayla Jean Yakli of Reuters. Um, this news came two and a half hours after the match ended. So, Wes, I, I, I just... The, the the Europe right now is a country or not a country. It's a region, a continent that is in a lot of turmoil. I I pray that nothing happens at Euro 2016. I I I'm sure that France will, especially after what we just talked about them going through a couple months ago, will have very beefed up security. But right now, uh, tensions very high in the European Union. Well, they are. Um, it's you know we're we're not going to hop into politics and no. Oh my goodness! Right? Frankly, neither one of us are that qualified to talk about it. No, no. Yeah, I like Donald Trump's hat, but that's about it at this point. Um, so uh, yeah, we're not going to get that. But it is. It's it's a sad state of affairs right now. Um, you know, at a time where, I don't know, you know, at a time where you, you think maybe football fans in general would be like, hey, you know, maybe we need to calm down a little bit and be on our best behavior. I mean, you know, Morocco's Morocco. I'm not going to sit here and say that I can really judge Moroccans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, the only one I think we know is, uh, what, Mares? Um, uh, no, because he's Algerian. Oh, he's Algerian. It's close, but it's not quite. Excuse me. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I really can't judge Moroccans at all, then. Um, but, you know, even with some of the things going on uh, between, like, United fans and Liverpool fans, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was some controversy both legs of that one with Absolutely. fan behavior. Yep. Um, you know, you just hope that maybe with everything going on, you would hope that maybe fans would just chill out a little bit mm-hmm. I mean you know you can go to the match cheer your team on as hard as you can and you don't have to fight the other team's fans yeah you're right it's just it's an idea I mean I understand it's, it's a suggestion but you don't have to fight or you know find the worst thing in the history that happened to them personally and you know chant about it for an hour that was yeah that's what I, United fans did right with the uh, the Hillsborough disaster United fans did with Hillsborough, and then um, Liverpool fans in there, uh, you know, uh, well, we can get to that a little later, I guess, but just really quickly, when the FA did nothing to uh, discipline uh, Man United fans for chanting about Hillsborough, um, Liverpool fans kind of took that as well, then we have open ground to talk about Munich. Yeah. So it, it was embarrassing for both fan bases. Uh, as a Liverpool fan, you know, I'm I'm kind of disgusted that my own fan base went there. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, that's just where we are nowadays. Unfortunately, people can't just enjoy. They can't just enjoy something without having to, you know, try to, try to just make your opponents feel like, you know, just feel horrible about something. 
Well, we would like to make you all feel just a little bit better now as we delve into actual soccer talk. Um, Again, thoughts and prayers to everyone affected over the entire continent of Europe right now as well as, and yes, we do realize Morocco is actually part of Africa. It's very close to France and Spain, though, so we we it's it's not that far away from Europe. Um, to the football, Wes. Sorry, it was in that movie Casablanca. Yes, the movie I surprisingly or not have never watched. Um, let's go to the football, Wes. Uh, the second legs of matches took place in the Europa League this past Thursday, and with them we saw some big results and some not-so-shocking ones. Uh, it started off with Shakhtar Donetsk advancing over Anderlecht uh, by an aggregate of 4-1 after winning the second leg 1-0. Uh, Sevilla scores three goals at home to beat Basel uh, by a 3-0 aggregate after the first leg was a scoreless draw. Uh, Villarreal holds serve against Leverkusen to to go through 2-0. Uh, Bill Bow uh, eventually goes through against good old Gary Neville's Valencia uh, in uh, in extra time. I'm sure you take absolutely no pleasure of that. I'm sorry, they went on through on the away goals rule uh, after a 2-2 aggregate. Uh, Liverpool does beat... Of Man- course, I was watching that in a Liverpool bar. So. Of course. Uh, Liverpool does beat Manchester United 3-1 on aggregate after a 1-1 draw at Old Trafford. Sparta Prague uh, beats Lazio 4-1 after a huge 3-0 win in the second leg. Dortmund beats Tottenham 2-1 at White Hart Lane, uh, the lone goal by Hyung Sung Min. Uh, Dortmund does go through 5-1 on aggregate after the big first leg win in Dortmund. And finally, uh, Braga defeats Fenerbahce 4-2 on aggregate. Fenerbahce had a 1-0 win in the first leg. Braga turned it all around in the second, winning 4-1 there, uh, which gives us to or leads us to our quarterfinals, I should say. First legs to be played April 7th, second legs the week after. Braga versus Shakhtar, Villarreal versus Sparta Prague, Athletic Bilbao versus Sevilla, another all-Spanish matchup for them. And finally, Klopp goes home, Dortmund versus Liverpool. West, we talked about what the uh, the FA did to sanction uh, both United and Liverpool supporters. Let's actually talk, though, about that 1-1 draw at Old Trafford. Uh, got a little bit dicey. Uh, United tried to make a match of it after uh, Anthony Martial converted a penalty in the 32nd minute, but Coutinho basically ended the tie in the 45th with a nifty piece of footwork to beat David De Gea on a one-touch. And that was about it. The second half was played almost at a training ground pace. United never able to get back into it. So in front of 75,000 at Old Trafford West, uh, Liverpool goes through. I thought very early on Liverpool were extremely bright. Liverpool were pushing for that uh, what what basically was a back-breaking away goal. Yes. Um, with an away goal, uh, United were going to have to score four goals on a day, and that just didn't really look like it was going to happen. No. Um, United got the penalty. I'm not looking back. I believe it was in the late 20 minutes. It was. I, Martial took it in the 32nd. Okay, 32nd minute. Yeah. Um, you know they they get the they get the uh, penalty call. I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought there was contact in the box. Yeah. So 
It's a good call. Uh, Marshall steps up, hits the hits the goal. And, and you know, at, at this point, a lot of times, you know, I would have started hyperventilating. <laughs> I just, uh, even with that goal. They never looked very enterprising. Well, well I, I have this feeling. I just felt that Liverpool were going to score that away goal one mm-hmm. way or the other. You know, they had already come close about two or three times. They were, you know, even though at that point of the match, uh, United were kind of more on the front foot. Mm-hmm. Liverpool still looked unbelievably dangerous on the counter. Um, you know, Sturridge had just put a ball off the crossbar. That was, oh, God, an absolutely gorgeous shot that about another inch down, that hits the bar and goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I, I wasn't I wasn't overly freaking out because I just I felt Liverpool had a goal in them, and then at the 44th minute, ting, oh my goodness! Um, and I'm going to tell you my story on that. I was on about my fourth beer. Um, I was <laughs> drinking Sam Adams out of the tap because as I had uh, texted you earlier, I completely forgot to take into account that uh, you know England doesn't deal with the. Um, <laughs> With uh, daylight savings time. Yeah. So I'm thinking that match is starting at 3 o'clock. So, you know, I show up to the pub about 2.30. I'm like, shit, I have like an entire match to watch before my Whoops. Like, so what do you do? You know, you drink some beers. And, uh, yeah, I know four sounds like, oh, a little lightweight. Well, folks, I, I, I don't drink like I used to. I'm a family man now. Um, so I had a decent, I, I was starting to get a, a little buzz going. <laughs> and when, uh, when Coutinho got her on that left side and then chipped, just, oh, the chip over David De Gea. Um, my excitement went through me at a point where literally my entire body went numb. Nice. And I'm sitting in the pub and with Liverpool fans around me just absolutely exploding and going crazy. Um, it, it was to me. It was one of the happiest goals I've been to see Liverpool score in my my years of fandom mm-hmm. as a supporter. Because at that point, you just you knew this is over. Yeah, it's like they're, they're not scoring three more goals on us today. You can immediately see their heads hanging shame. They were done. They were absolutely done. We had the tie put away. As you said, the second half was more of a coronation. It was just, all right, just play it out without anybody getting hurt. Let's not get any stupid cards. Um, I mean, that goal was it. And it was absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, until we meet again in Europe, United, you never beat us in Europe. There you go. May never happen again. Um, Look, all we do in Europe is knock you out of competition, so. Yeah, one for one. Um, let's then talk about uh, your next round draw in the quarterfinals, uh, going up against Dorman, Jurgen Klopp's former team, maybe the favorites to win the entire tournament now. They were probably the favorites back in the round of 16. Um, now certainly the favorites, maybe Villarreal's up there as well. Uh, but but Dortmund riding high right now, second in the Bundesliga, crushing into the quarterfinals. Uh, your thoughts on going up against uh, one of the German giants? Um, I think Dortmund is, they're the best team left in the tournament, without a doubt. They're probably the best team to start with in the tournament. Um, 
but here, you know, here's the thing about Europa, Ed. Does the best, you know, the Champions League, more times than not, the best team wins the Champions League. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always seem like that holds in Europa. Yeah. Because it kind of comes down to who's the best team that wants to win Europa. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean by that. Who's the best team that you know, wants to win Europa? Yeah. Um, Dortmund looked like they were, well, they were definitely into it versus Tottenham. I've got to figure they're definitely going to be into it against Liverpool. And, of course, part of that's got to do with the fact that this is, you know, Big Daddy Klopp coming home. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe he is going to get a fantastic ovation from the Dortmund crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't think there will be any negativity towards them. You know, Dortmund and Liverpool actually, um, they're they're almost like, they've got these things in Europe called sister clubs. Yes, yes. And, and I, I want to say that Liverpool and Dortmund are sister clubs. Um, they both share You'll Never Walk Alone. Mm. Um, they're both, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of similarities between Liverpool and Dortmund. Um you know, both of them, both of them have arch rivals who you know have had more success recently than them. You know, of course, uh, Munich for Dortmund, United for Liverpool, um, and now, you know, let's put it this way: even if it wasn't Klopp going back home, this would be a big time tie yeah. in European football. Mm-hmm. But now you just throw in the fact that Klopp's going back home and. I believe we say for the second round in a row, Liverpool have the glamour tie. Yes. Uh, It's going to be very difficult to defeat Dortmund over two legs. It might be, it might actually be a, an advantage for Liverpool to have two legs because I think, you know, if, if they played one, if it was a one game winner take all, like maybe the final of Europa, you know, I think at that point, usually at that point, you know, talent and whoever just has a single better game plan wins. Mm-hmm. Over two legs, though, you can completely play two different types of legs. And you can, you know, Klopp's going to go in there with a plan. I think the plan is going to be to get an away goal. Oh, yeah. And if you if you tie 1-1, if you lose 2-1... If you get that away goal, you are in very good shape going home. Yeah. Of course, the second leg is in Liverpool, which, you know, that can that should be seen as an advantage for Liverpool. Um, so, I mean, obviously going in, Liverpool are the underdogs. Um, but that said, they've played really well in Europe under Klopp. Um, take away the second half against Southampton over the weekend and Liverpool have been playing some really good football lately. They've got some guys really coming into form. Um, I believe the second half on Sunday was more an aberration mm-hmm. than anything else. Um, so, I've, I mean, I like, I mean, I've got to like somewhat our chances going in just because we've been playing well. Um, but we are definitely going in as the underdog. And, uh, you know, I think whoever comes out of this tie with the win, um, you could definitely see that team being one of, one of, if not the favorite going forward in Europa. 
Certainly. Uh, it should be noted, uh, Villarreal still in one of the top teams in Spain this year, as well Sevilla is still alive. They are the two-time defending champions, four-time winners of the Europa League. Uh, so we will. they are still in the comp. And Liverpool, and Liverpool actually, uh, it would be kind of cool if those two met in the finals because uh, they, between the two of them, they had the most uh, UEFA League, Europa, whatever you want to call it. They had the most uh, victories in that uh, competition, both tied at four. Oh, well, there you go. So that's that's what's going on in the Europa League. Uh, let's go ahead and also get you uh, a Champions League draw update, which I will need to uh, pull up very quickly here. We have the Champions League, and we'll just scroll down. Uh, very, very interesting results. We got you the results last week, uh, and we told you which teams are proceeding on to the quarterfinals. Uh, to be played, the match's first legs on April 5th. We're in for a double in Bayern Munich versus Benfica, and then Barcelona versus Atletico Madrid. Uh, on April 6th, uh, it will be Wolfsburg versus Real Madrid and PSG versus Manchester City. And uh, just right off the bat, Wes, we said last week, well, who's one of the teams that could beat Barcelona? Uh, probably Atletico. Who do they get drawn against? Atletico. So, so good job. Good job, ping pong balls. Yeah, I, I, I kind of nailed a few of these right on the head. I said, uh, I also say, you know, I would love to see PSG play Man City. Yes, yes, you did. So that, so that worked out nicely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well here. Um, uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as Champions League, um, I think we are definitely set up for the, I guess, the four real glamour squads in this tournament to go through. Um, most definitely, you know, Real and Bayern mm-hmm. definitely have uh, really good matchups. Um, Barcelona, even though I did say, you know, I said Atletico would be the team to give Barcelona fits. Still think Barcelona is going through. Yeah, I would <laughs> and, agree with that. Um, and I've got to, you know, I've got to figure, you know, PSG are going to be the favorites uh, against Man City going forward, especially with City. Uh, not having Vincent Company, um, Joe Hart is an injury yep. concern at the moment. Um, Raheem Sterling is out for two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've got some they've got issues right now. You know, even on top of the fact that it seems half of them don't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, Do you think though that they might come out for this, knowing that this is probably going to be their last chance to win a title this year? And see, that's the thing with City. Um, but I, I really, Ed, I really don't know how they're going to come out yeah. because even though they could look and say, well, this is our chance to win a title. I still just think there's a portion of those guys who just don't give a shit right now. They have completely mentally checked out of this season. I did see, um, to your point that I was, I was rewatching the, um, excuse me. I saw this stat live and then I saw it again as I was rewatching the highlight packages from this past weekend in the premier league. And they showed that uh, when when Pep was hired, and I, I think this was the first week of February, uh, City were three points out of first with or with forty four points. Since then, they they have only picked up seven points, and they fall into fourth, almost fifth. I mean, just the entire fact that 
City sat there and announced in February, this guy's going to be our new manager. I, that just that blew me away to this day that they did that. Yeah. You basically sat there and said, well, this season's a wash. We don't really give a shit what happens because we're bringing in a new manager. And, you know, while they may not have meant for that to happen, that's basically what you sat there and told those players. Yeah. And those players at City, you know, I'm sorry, not many of them are actually playing for the shirt anyway. That's true. You know, they are not that kind of a team anymore at all. They're, I mean, they're kind of a team of mercenaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have no real loyalty just to City other than the paycheck. So when you're like, well, you know, we don't really care what happens because we're hiring a new manager. A bunch of those guys are like, all right, well, shit, pay me. I don't care. Um, Yaya has been ever more Yaya. Yeah. And by the way, the absolute worst rumor I saw this week on the Liverpool side, Yaya to Liverpool. Yes. No, no thanks. I don't want Yaya to Liverpool. Reunite the Torre brothers. Well, if we keep Colo, maybe, but, you know, um, Colo would keep him in line. Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, I just, I think that's a group that's completely checked out. The only thing that will even, I believe, pique their interest will be the Champions League. But you know what, Ed? One of the best things City usually has going for them is that they're just more talented than the other team. Yeah. I'm sorry, they're, they're not more talented than PSG. No, and especially not at this point. No. no. Um, I mean, you know, Aguero, I mean, they've got a couple guys, I think, who would walk into the PSG side, but that's it. Only maybe two. Maybe David Silva. Yeah, maybe. And, 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 you know, Aguero, even though, I mean, God, you've got Zlatan up front. So is Aguero even guaranteed of walking into that starting lineup? You know, maybe Joe Hart at goal. Yeah. No, I'd put Joe Hart at goal. But, um, I mean, defensively? Nobody. No. Midfield? Probably not. Yeah. Up front? Meh. So, I think they're going into this, A, a team who's not motivated, and B, they're just not as talented. And they're playing a team that is super motivated in PSG because of because of the guy who's keeping them motivated, and that's Zlatan. Yeah. And, and on the other flip side... PSG almost have nothing to play for now. They've won the league. They're 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 done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they still have I, a, they still have like their domestic yeah. cups, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they care a little more about Europe than the domestic cups at this point. Yeah. So, um, I mean, with, for them, they can see a route, pretty a pretty direct route to the semifinals. At which point, when let's just say we come up with that big four group, the uh, Real, Barcelona, Bayern, PSG. I mean, any four of them can knock off each other. Yeah, and I mean, if you... They all have enough talent to knock off whoever they play. Yeah, and I mean, if PSG gets Real at this point in the season... Yeah, they're probably better. Man, oh man, this this could be a very interesting uh, quarterfinal tie here. I, I will be interested to see if Benfica and Wolfsburg put up a fight. Um, we saw... Last year, I believe Shakhtar going to Baron or, or get a win against Baron at home and then go to the Allianz and get destroyed. Um, I, I will be interested to see if Benfica puts up a fight. Wolfsburg, they get their first match, at I believe, at Wolfsburg. 
So maybe maybe they can jump on Real. I, I still I still agree with you in, in the four you think will be going on though. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely it's. I think um, Champions League and Europa uh, both have some really exciting moments. Definitely still to come. Certainly, uh, eight teams left in each one. So that takes us to now the Premier League. Ah. Oh. Enjoy this Premier League. I hope you enjoyed it this past weekend, folks, because we're about to go to an international break. Hooray! Hooray! Nothing says drama killer like international breaks. Oh, well. Uh, Your scores from this past weekend include Arsenal getting back to winning ways. Uh, uh, With a goal early on, set up Arsenal to win at Goodison Park. Um, we'll have news on the Everton goalkeeping situation, but, uh, the, the gentleman that is replacing one American, Tim Howard, doesn't look like that much of an upgrade if the goals he allowed to Arsenal are any indication. Uh, very, very, very poor, very poor goalkeeping. Um, a bit of con- controversy at Stamford Bridge as it was Chelsea 2, West Ham United 2, Bagande! Andy Carroll looked like he had once again beaten Chelsea this season 2-1, but it was a late, late penalty drawn by Ruben Loftus-Cheek, allegedly because there wasn't actually any contact, allowed Cesc Fabregas to record his brace on a penalty uh, just before stoppage time. To secure a point, Chelsea are win uh, are, uh, unbeaten in 14 matches, Wes. Um, I'm going to tell you, Seth Fabregas, a guy who we absolutely hammered earlier this year. Yes, we did. With with very good reason. He deserved it. Um, give that guy credit. Um, credit where credit's due since Goose Hitting has come in, um, since he's been freed by the shackles of Mourinho. Of Mourinho. Uh, Sesk has been really, really good here later on in the season. Um you know, another two goals here for him. He is, uh, he's in fine form right now. He's in really good form. Um, God, Chelsea, it's, it's totally a case of too little too late for Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, but they are making a late little run here up the table. And, you know, if things fall their way, they could, uh, you know, they could slide into a Europa spot for next year. Hmm. Which, I mean, just given the fact of where they were. Yeah. You know, when they when they fired Mourinho, that's absolutely incredible. Certainly, uh, big win for the title holders at uh, Crystal Palace. Leicester City with another one nil win this time on the road. Riyad Mahrez, Algeria's Riyad Mahrez, uh, with an, his 16th goal of the season, gives Leicester the win. Some nervy moments late. Crystal Palace had one more chance off a corner in the final moments, but again could not convert. Leicester survives one more time, and they go into the international break with a five-point lead. Stoke 2, Watford 1 at Vicarage Road. Kike Flores' men got a late goal from the great Troy Deeney, Fat Drake, uh, but two goals from Stoke were too much to overcome with that little time to spare. Marco Anatovic, uh with another goal to... Uh, uh, actually, Anatovic had a goal disallowed. It was John Walters and Joselu who had the goals for Stoke. Uh, Arnautovic actually a little hard done. Ruled off sides on his goal. Uh, replay showed clearly not off sides. Uh, Norwich 
with a big win uh, at West Brom. Robbie Brady with the lone goal. Uh, he had a couple chances, finally took his uh, to beat Tony Pulis's side at the Hawthorns. Uh, it ends an 11-match winless run for Norwich. Uh, and sees them just get a little closer to being secure in the Premier League for another season. Uh, and finally on Saturday, it was Swansea 1, Aston Villa 0. Not a very good game, but Federico Fernandez was uh, the match winner for Swansea in the second half. And uh, it looks like that may be the goal that puts the Swans to safety. On Sunday, you had a couple of derbies. Tire win derby uh, started the day where it was Newcastle 1, Sunderland 1. Jermaine Defoe had a goal in the first half and it looked like it might have been enough for the Black Cats, but Newcastle leveled uh, with Alexander Mitrovic in the final few minutes, putting one in off a corner that was bungled around in the box. Uh, fair result on the day at St. James Park. Uh, really a, a match West that uh, neither team really could afford to draw. This was one where with both in relegation battle, three points was a necessity, but at the end of the day, that's almost kind of the summary of their seasons, a 1-1 draw. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I think the way the match played out, the draw the draw favors uh, Newcastle a little more <laughs> uh, because basically if they had not gotten that late goal, they might be staring relegation That's straight true. up in the face. Yeah. Uh, so a big, a big point for them at the end of the day. Um, but, I mean, you know, the team it really helped, obviously, was Norwich who uh, was able to put a little distance between themselves and a relegation spot. Yes, Norwich Norwich uh, moving a little closer to safety thanks to that draw. Uh, elsewhere, it was at the St. Mary's Stadium, Southampton 3, Liverpool 2. Philip Coutinho with another wonder goal. Yes, we're going to talk about this. Philip Coutinho with another wonder goal in the first half, and Daniel Sturridge danced his way to a second, put Liverpool up 2-0 at the halftime break. Uh, but Southampton came out at a Sadio Mane penalty blocked by goalkeeper. Oh, God, what's your goalie's name? I've totally blanked on this. Simon Mignolet. Simon Mignolet, thank you. James Corden himself. That's why he gets a big five-year contract extension, because he saves penalties. Unfortunately, he couldn't save the next three goals that went in to complete the Southampton comeback. Um, the, the final goal by Mane was really almost, unfortunately to say, a comedy of errors, uh, started by a poor Mignolet clearance that went about 80 feet in the air and only about 20 feet down the pitch, uh, eventually corralled by a Southampton player given to Mane after he beat uh, little wee Joe Allen, uh, who showed plenty of character but not enough class uh, for Mane to get the winner. Graziano Pelle also with a goal in that one. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few. Uh, Manchester City nil. Manchester United won in the Mank Derby. Uh, Rashford... 
oh, he's he's been a rash on a lot of teams so far in his early career for United. Marcus Rashard with the goal, a nice piece of individual skill to beat Joe Hart. And uh, Wes, as you mentioned, a uh, big loss, not just for City on the pitch. They also lost Joe Hart uh, for probably a couple weeks and Raheem Sterling for two months. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a, in a little bit as well. And finally, we round out the weekend with Tottenham Hotspur 3. AFC Bournemouth nil down the cherries. Uh, it took less than one minute for Spurs to get on the board uh, as Kyle Walker fed Harry Kane in the box with a nice little difficult tap in almost barely got a toe on it, but he did direct it into the net uh, to beat the Bournemouth keeper, make it one nil 15 minutes later, Tottenham made it two as Dele Ali fed uh, Harry Kane on a through ball where he beat the keeper again, just outside the penalty area. And finally in the second half, uh, a walk in the park for Spurs as uh, Christian Eriksen put in a Harry Kane rebound to, uh, to give Tottenham three points and their three goals and season to stay five points adrift of Leicester all right Wes let's let's go back to quickly to the St. Mary's Stadium uh big win for Ronald Coleman of Southampton doing all they can to keep him at St. Mary's um Martin Skirtle maybe maybe the goat after this one and we don't mean the greatest of all time we do mean he was one of the big reasons for this uh two goal lead disintegrating into nothing um Billy goat. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, I, I think though, I think a lot of that back line has to take the blame for this. Uh, and and in, in a way though, this this is this is what Liverpool though have been doing. You did praise their form. I think Liverpool. Every time we say, "Well, you can't bury them yet," these are the matches when we start getting the shovels ready again. And I think that speaks to. To why I'm a little nervous about wanting to put Liverpool in that fifth spot or even that fourth spot is just because they're so damn inconsistent. That first half was great football. They looked marvelous. Then they dodged the penalty bullet and you think, all right, they're getting out of the same areas with a win today. And then they give up three more goals. It was Norwich without the comeback or the re-comeback, I guess I should call it. Well, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, some really key moments for Liverpool in the first half. Um, one, Joe Allen has a goal disallowed. That would have made it 3-0. Uh, Sacco was offsides, didn't actually touch the ball, didn't really have anything to do in the play. But, you know, we've talked about that rule very early in the season. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was offside, so the goal did not count. Uh, Allen then missed a shot that he probably should have scored on uh, in a one-on-one situation. At the least, he could have laid off to Daniel Sturridge for a goal. Both of those would have made it 3-0. 3-0, you're putting that ball game to bed. Uh, the other big moment of the first half, Dejan Lovren picking up kind of a, uh, a rash yellow card for, for a challenge that he probably shouldn't have thrown in. And for Lovren, of course, this was a homecoming, you know, uh, Liverpool bought him from Southampton. Um, you know, he took a lot of shtick from Southampton fans. when I'm he sure left he did. Yeah. Go to Liverpool. Uh, so that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a contentious relationship. Now, you know, if you, you, know, you look at Lovren, who under Brendan Rodgers, you know, Lovren was the laughing stock of the Premier League. Yes. Well, you know what? Under Jurgen Klopp, he and Mamadou Sacco have formed a really, really good tandem at the back for Liverpool. 
I'm not saying that it's the you know one for the next 10 years or anything, but they have really come together and done a really good job since they've been playing together. Of course, a lot of that coming since Martin Skirtle's injury back in December. Um, he gets a rash yellow card in the first half. So at halftime, up 2-0, Klopp decides, I'm going to replace Lovren. I don't want the chance of him picking up a red card, which, you know, if Klopp is thinking that, I kind of agree with him. That was something that could have easily happened in the second half. Um, you know, he just, he looked like he was a little off his rocker that day and Klopp didn't want to go down to 10 men. I think where he made the mistake was, you know, Hey, go with Torre. Yeah. You know, Torre has been solid all year. Let's go with Torre. Instead, um, this is where Klopp made his biggest mistake. He went with, uh, he went with Martin Skirtle who a has not played since December. B was not playing well before he got hurt. <laughs> and then in, uh, at the end of the match, the stat of the week, Liverpool conceded as many goals in 40 minutes with Martin Skirtle in the team on Sunday than their previous 795 minutes without him. Oof. Nearly 800 minutes of Premier League, of, well, of all action, that of course included the one goal we gave up in Europa. Mm-hmm. Nearly 800 minutes we had given up three goals, and then we gave up three in 40 minutes. Yeah, that, that's almost and, nine matches. Yeah. And Skirtle was responsible for the penalty that was saved. Yeah. And Skirtle was also directly responsible for all three goals. You know, we throw Joe Allen's name in there in the last one. Joe Allen was doing fine until Skirtle literally tackled his own man. <laughs> yeah. And not... Put in a crushing tackle on Joe Allen. <laughs> it wasn't who it was meant for. Um, but it was Liverpool who in the second half, they looked very content up 2-0. Um, didn't show a lot of impetus going forward. Uh, and a lot of it came because um, two fantastic substitutions coming out of halftime. Uh, Wanyama and Mane coming in for uh, Ronald Koeman's side. And those guys absolutely took over the game. Um I think we, we maybe should have gone to Jordan Henderson maybe about 10 minutes before we were going to um, because we were getting overrun in the midfield, especially by Wanyama. Um, you know, Benteke came in and, oh, Benteke, Benteke may have put the nail in his Liverpool coffin um, because another one-on-one that he misses. But but Wes, he doesn't know why Jurgen's not playing him. I mean, exactly. He's like, well, I just don't know why I'm not playing. Because that is three on one hand that I can count in the last two months that he has missed in one-on-one situations. This guy's a 32.5 million pound striker who can't score. It's not good. And then it's not, you know, Origi's a striker who doesn't score much, but Origi also works his ass off and sets people up. I mean, really, right now, if Benteke had not um, had not drawn that penalty a couple <laughs> ago against Crystal Palace and, and scored on the penalty kick, we would hate him even more right now than we already do. <laughs> and that's a tough word to say because I mean, I don't hate the guy. I still think the guy's a really good footballer. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. I'm really, truly believing it's not going to happen at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are, there just, there are guys like that. 
you know, I'm wondering if Benteke is ever going to be able to play at a big club. You know, I mean, obviously he, you know, he made his bones at Aston Villa as the focal point of everything they did. You know, is this a guy who's going to be able to go into a big club, say a Chelsea, say a, a, an Arsenal or a United or a Liverpool? You know, is he going to be able to go to one of those big clubs and be able to do what he needs to do? Right now, the answer is no. Well, I think that's a lot of the product of the kind of striker he is. He's he's a striker that needs a lot of service. I don't think he's one that you you bring up the three one on ones. I think that's because he's just not very good in open space like that. He is a striker. He's a big man in the box. Uh, you get you get him. Uh, you get his head on the ball off of corners. Uh, he he finds ways to get in there. He's I, I almost want to say he's he's a lesser version of Harry Kane really at this point. I mean, he's, to me, I mean, he's, and the thing is, I mean, he's got the big price tag. Yeah. He's a guy who, you know, he suffered injury problems at Aston Villa, but then he was a very streaky goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here was the deal. You know, he could sit there and say, well, you know, I just need to play my way into form. Well, the thing is, at Liverpool, you know, at Aston Villa, you were the only striker worth a shit. Yeah. What were they going to do? Who are they going to pull you for? At Liverpool, I mean, they're sitting there. At this point, they're sitting there with Origi. They're sitting there with Sturridge. They're sitting there with Firmino. I mean, why should Liverpool have to wait three weeks for you to get into form when they've got three or four other guys who they can put right in and right away are automatically better strikers than you and are more fit into the system? Certainly. And don't forget this. When Danny Ings comes back, yeah. Ings is going to be favored above Benteke. So you're basically telling me that your fifth striker is the 32 and a half million pound striker. I mean, and that's basically if everyone was healthy right now, Benteke is fifth choice at striker. No, I agree with that. And um, you know, it's just it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Liverpool need to take whatever somebody will give them. There's reports out there that uh, West Ham are willing to offer $25 million for them. I would take it in a heartbeat. Well, it's it's just not been good sometimes for strikers coming over to Liverpool the last couple years. First Balotelli, now Benteke. Uh, But they do have a good crop of young guys that can be trusted up top. Well, the thing is, those two guys you just mentioned, Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they're almost carbon copies of each other. Yeah. And just the fact that Liverpool, it just, it blew me away. And I said this back in July and August, Ed, when we were previewing the Premier League. If everything goes right, Benteke can score 20 goals for Liverpool. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, it hasn't gone right. Mm -hmm. And now you're stuck with a guy who never really fit the system. You're doing the same thing the second year in a row. Yes, Benteke's not the head case or the, the medium no. job that Balotelli is. No. But at the end of the day, you're getting the same guy. You're mm-hmm. getting a tall, athletic striker who's really good when you give him the ball and when you service him. But who does not fit into the pass-and-move system that one Brendan Rodgers wanted to do and then the pressing, high-paced system that uh, Jurgen Klopp wants to do. Yeah. So he just he doesn't fit in. Not everyone fits in in some places. You know, Zlatan did not really fit in at Barcelona. Yeah, that's true. 
uh, he still scored a shitload of goals. But, yeah, know, he and Pep famously didn't get along. You know, that's him, but you know, it wasn't really working for him at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Even though you put him anywhere else, he may be the best striker in the world. No, and then just think, you know, for, for Christian Benteke, uh, that same price, you could have had eight Deli Ali's. Yep. Every time. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. Speaking of Deli Ali, he was instrumental in a rollicking performance at White Hart Lane uh, that saw Tottenham beat Bournemouth 3-0. And, uh, Wes, we don't have to talk much about the match. It was a very easy win for Spurs, as easy as a 3-0 win is going to be this season. Dominating performance, never really threatened. Uh, so let's let's put aside the match in and of itself. And and I want to mention something I heard uh, one, one good friend, I wish he was a good friend of the show, uh, Kyle Martino mentioned on the NBC Sports broadcast, uh, and he said that uh, that Pochettino was vindicated uh, with rotating his guys in the Europa League against Dortmund. We talked a little bit last week about how we kind of thought Pochettino should go for it against Dortmund. That is a that is a match that Spurs could have really put their name on a global uh, level with, and and they didn't really take that opportunity. But now they, they beat Aston Villa last week. They get a big win against Bournemouth going into the international break to stay five against Leicester. Can we say now, is Pochettino justified with the, what he did in the Europa League? If you, want to, if you want to directly correlate it, sure, you can say he is. Well, and the other thing is now... Go, with the with the last seven matches of the season, you have nothing to worry about midweek. You just play on the weekend. And that, I mean that that is another thing, and well, that all that comes down to what we talked about earlier with Europa is uh, who's prioritizing it and who's not. Right. And um, you know, multiple different reasons why, um, but he decided not to prioritize Europa. <clears throat> They're out. They don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, that said, I, I still believe he could have played stronger teams in the midweek and still beaten Aston Villa and Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, nothing against, especially nothing against Bournemouth, who... Hey, hey, Rebecca Lowe called Bournemouth a banana game. Well, sure. But, um... I, I Which mean, I just like to like, say, banana game. It's not like you're, you're... It's not like you're turning around and facing Arsenal, United, City... Or I guess Leicester even this season. Yeah, you know, it's not like you have one of those matches on deck and you were like, no, you know, we're not going to worry about Europa. I mean, it was Villa and Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I say, you if you want to justify it at this point, you definitely can. Um, I, I still, I just, I still personally would have wanted to see them um, try to go for it against Dortmund. No, and I agree. I. I... <laughs> I, I'm just I'm getting I got kind of to the point where I really thought that the the Premier League title was a it was a beautiful pipe dream that was probably never actually going to happen this year, um, and and really it would be great to win the Europa League, um, and, and also because the Europa League you sort of control your own destiny. Spurs would have controlled their own destiny if they if they get through Dortmund. All they all they know they have to do in the Europa League is win matches. Uh, in the Premier League. They can win every match from here to the end of the season. That doesn't guarantee them that they would win the Premier League. Now, I might 
think at this point that if they do win every match, they might actually win the Premier League. Uh, if they if they if they win their last seven, that they might actually do it. Um, but I, I think you in the Premier League in the title race, you don't have your your fate in your own hands when you're chasing a team down five points. In Europa League, you had fate in your own hands. You win your matches, you win the you win Europa. Um, that 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 was my thing, and, and that's why everybody's like, "Oh, we probably have a better shot to win the league." Um, I don't know why I'm talking to British people when I message them about this, but they they were apparently British. Um, but that that's just what I think, and and I I, I am glad then that you know because because if he had, yes, Pochettino was justified now beating Bournemouth like they did. If he had lost, it would have been an absolute disaster. Um, it would it would have been blow up everything season over. Um, but they didn't. They got the win, and I do think they can feel good going into break um, after the again a disappointing loss to Dortmund. That's not how you're going into international break. You're going in with a three nil win. Uh, you're sending five guys into England's camp. You're sending one guy to Wales. Uh, I think that's it. Um, so uh, I I think at the end of the day it worked out for Tottenham. I don't I don't like to to use to use um to use results oriented thinking but at the end of the day if it if it wins in the league then so be it um lastly Wes let, let's talk about the Mank Derby uh you we, we mentioned it earlier uh City they even mentioned this in the in the highlight package and I have to agree with them this is something I we saw when City played Tottenham uh about a month ago City gets into fifth gear. It just sometimes takes them 50, 60 minutes to do it. That's actually how it happened against Spurs. Uh, after after Harry Kane scored the penalty, um, after, I think it was about 55 minutes in, then you saw City come to life, and they scored their goal, and everything was going great. And then Christian Eriksen still won it, but we saw City going in top gear. And again, this is what happened to them against United. They never really got going until United scored. And still even then, I still think it took them an extra half hour, maybe 40 minutes, to really get going and for Aguero to really look dangerous. I I just wonder, this is, this is a match City really needed to win. And United got thrown, I think, a bit of a lifeline into that fourth place race by winning at the Etihad. I just... I, I'm a little surprised at this result, even even as much as we've bagged City this year, and we will continue to bag them after results like this, I'm still a little surprised. What is there to say about the uh, Manchester Derby that hasn't already been said about Baghdad? It was bombed out, and it was crap. Okay. Um, I mean, it was... Ugh. It was an absolutely terrible match. Yeah. That, you know, all, all due respect to United, they were able to uh, get the goal. Rashford. Rashford's goal was good. Rashford, you know, continues to look like, um, you know, Real Madrid's Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Um, you know, have United really found something for the future there? We'll see. You know, have Let's... they got something for the future? We'll see. Uh, but other than that moment from Rashford, this match was terrible. And let's also be fair, this may also have been the match that sent Martin DiMichaelis into retirement. Oh my god, DiMichaelis got used and abused. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he, he looked like a model at the end of a Bukaki film. Oh, God. Oh, that's... <laughs> Demolished. Uh, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, this was one of those, you know, City totally looked like they checked out. They didn't give a shit. That's and sad. You're sitting here, you're playing for... I mean, if you can't get up for a Manchester Derby, what can you get up for? I mean, this was... If nothing else, this is the game for bragging rights for your fans. Do it for your fans. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, oh, whatever. You know, Jesus Navas has not scored the Premier League in two years. Jeez. Got him out there. Um, I mean, he stinks. And once again, we go back. We know they've got the injuries. You know, no, uh, you know, Joe Hart actually, I believe, gets injured in this match. Yep. You know, no company, no Raheem Sterling. Um, not that not that Sterling's exactly lit the world on fire this year. Um, should have stayed Liverpool, but anyway. Um, you know, but they didn't want it. United, to their credit, they decided they wanted it. They just still played United football at this point, which is, you know, a very dull defensive type of football. Mm-hmm. So it was it was two teams who neither were really going after it. And at the end of the day, give United credit, they got the goal. But City, let's put it this way, if City don't finish in the Champions League spot, they absolutely deserve whatever they get. Yeah. Yeah, they, they is there any chance... Oh, yeah. It's not going to be, oh, we had bad luck. It's going to be, no, you didn't try. Is there any chance, and I mean any chance, Pep looks at this and says, you know, maybe maybe I'm not coming to City. Maybe not. Oh, how magical would that be? Um... Like, I mean, if, if you if United and Ed Woodward backed up a Brinks truck to Guardiola at the end of the season, if they finish fourth and City finishes fifth or sixth, I, I mean, does Guardiola say no? I don't think so. I, uh, you know, I, I think Guardi- for Guardiola, that would be egg all over his face. To back out, and then it would totally look like, well, you know, he can't handle a challenge. He's a front runner. Yeah, that's which true. I think I've stated. I think Guardiola is anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's really easy to look like a genius when I'm coaching Barcelona with Messi, and then you know Bayern Munich. Yeah. And then still can't get Bayern Munich over the hump. But anyway, um, I digress. I think I think Guardiola would be absolutely crucified if he backed out on it just because they missed the Champions League. Yeah. And, of course, a story that I saw in the rundown about United, um, they would also be backing that Brinks truck up maybe to Jose Mourinho's house as well if they decided to go get Guardiola. Yeah, that's true. So um, I still think he's coming. It's just, now how interesting would it be? Let's say Mourinho ends up at United, Guardiola City. How interesting would it be that the three guys that would be considered the best managers in the Premier League, Klopp, Guardiola, and Mourinho, would all be there and none in the Champions League? Oh, God. It would be somewhat humorous. Oh, it'd be very humorous. I mean, I, the only reason I say somewhat is because Klopp is my manager. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, how crazy would that be that you would have these three absolute world-class top ten managers and not over in the Champions League. It would be bonkers. 
and then Claudio Ranieri is. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Arsene Wenger, because he's going to finish fourth. Uh, well, uh, speaking of fourth place, let's look at the Premier League table going to this international break. Leicester are on top with 66 points. Tottenham are in second with 61. Uh, the next four all have game in, game in hand on them. Uh, Arsenal are at 55. Man City at 51. West Ham at 50. United at 50. West Ham on top by goal differential. And then... Um, Southampton are at 47. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Norwich, as we said, now two points clear of Sunderland. Uh, Sunderland and Newcastle do both have match in hand, though. Uh, Sunderland's at 26 points. Newcastle at 25. Aston Villa, seven matches to save their season. They are at 16 points. They are 12 points from safety. Um, No. No. Not, Not happening. Sorry. Not, not Villa's going down. It's uh, now. Let's quickly go through news and notes as we have gone into this podcast quite a bit already. Uh, we do want to remind you because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the show. Uh, we do want to remind you that this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, unfortunately, we had a bit of a different open today with the, uh, the the tragic events that have been going on around the world. And so we would be remiss, though, if we did not remind people that this is an NGSC Sports podcast. All right, Wes, let's quickly go through uh, the news and notes we had. Uh, let's start with that story, though, that you were talking about uh, with Josie Mourinho. Uh, it looks like, and this is coming from a pretty credible uh, newspaper in Spain that uh, if Mourinho is not given the Manchester United job by June 1, according to a pre-contract he assigned, he's going to get 15 million pounds, uh, which I think is is amazing. If it's not done by May 1st, he gets 5 million. June 1st, it's 10 million. This is coming to us from Ed Aaron's uh, of the Guardian, as well as the newspaper El País, uh, which does have a very, very good track record on news like this. So this is not just uh, the Sun throwing something out there. This is this is a pretty legit story. Um, so Wes, what do you put the odds that Mourinho is at United next season? Is it better than ninety percent? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say ninety five percent. Okay. I mean, just because, you know, you've got to be ultra sure that you're going to do something to sign a contract like that. Oh, yeah. Um, But then at the same time, this little 5% of me sitting there like, you know, why would you, why would you announce something or why would this even get out? Yeah. If there wasn't a chance that there's some bullshit to it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, and not so much bullshit, but just, you know, why would it even get out? Because you're just putting doubt in people's heads at this point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're truly, I'm, there is this small bit of empathy in my body for United fans having to deal with this shit. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, this could also be Mourinho's camp may have may have linked, leaked this a little bit, and and just to just to maybe move up the timeline and say, hey, well now everybody knows what's going to happen if I'm not manager on April 30th. You know, may, maybe you should go ahead and announce this. I, that that could be part of it. And and once again, here here's my other little bit of empathy for United fans. 
have fun. This is just the beginning. <laughs> he's not even the manager yet, and he's already fucking with you. The mind games have started. I mean, he's already playing mind games before he's even been named the damn manager. I mean, months out from being the manager. And, you know, this is... I mean, the thing is, we've said it. These are the things that you deal with when Mourinho is your manager. You know, Mourinho loves the bunker mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's us against the world. That works for a while. And the thing is, United are truly signing a deal with the devil here. Because you know it's going to blow up. That's the thing. You know it's going to... It's not if it's going to blow up. It's when is it going to blow up. Oh, of course. And how, and how many trophies can we win before it blows up? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, here's United... And the thing is, you know, the the only guy I think that's keeping this from being a 100% done deal is Ryan Giggs. Because United are hellbound and determined that Giggs is going to be their manager, except for the fact that they just won't give him the damn job. And and I can't imagine he's going to stay if if they don't give it to him now. I can't imagine either, you know. And maybe for Giggs, maybe it's the best thing. You know, go somewhere, go maybe even, I don't know if you want to say overseas, but go somewhere, get a managerial gig, and then you know when you when when it's time, if if everybody leaves on good terms, you can go after gigs in three years or four years, and then gigs has some you know true managerial experience. Maybe he can go to Valencia <laughs> with the Rat Boys. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think that could be good for him actually yeah. in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be good for both of them. Because uh, A, it would give him some a exp- uh, good amount of experience, and B, for United, then it's not such a question mark, is he ready for it? Right. Because then you'll have proof somewhere else, hey, he's ready for it. And here's the deal. I mean, Giggs is never going to take a job to turn down United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's like Bear Bryant in Alabama. When mama calls, you come home. Yeah. And Giggs will eventually answer the call. It's just, you know, I think it gives you actually a little more leeway to decide when you want to make the call. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a win-win for both of them for Giggs to get out of there, especially Mourinho coming in. What a bonkers story. That's only sure to get more bonkers as we go along. Circle April 30th on your calendars, folks. I uh, do want to mention before we get too much more into news and notes uh, of some the matches that are coming up this week. We did mention it's an international break. Uh, a lot of World Cup qualification in addition to international friendlies. Uh, World Cup qualification going on this uh, week in uh, the African uh, tournament as well as Conmebol. You got some pretty good ties coming uh, tomorrow or today, I guess, is when you're listening to this. 7.30 p.m. Chile takes on Argentina. And on Friday, Brazil takes on Uruguay and the return of Luis Suarez from his nine-match ban. That'll be at 8.45 Friday night. I believe that is on BN Sports in Espanol. On BN Sports America, you'll be able to watch Guatemala versus the United States of America as part of CONCACAF Thunder qualifying. Uh, the United States then will be playing later on uh, next week as well as part of their uh, CONCACAF qualifying tournament. All right, Wes... Um, Back to the news and notes now. Uh, Speaking of Brazil uh, and someone who had gone to Chelsea and weird transfer practices and everything that we've talked about already today, uh, this was somebody 
Spurs and Liverpool both kind of wanted. Chelsea came in and took them and then did absolutely nothing with them. The man we were talking about is 26-year-old Alexandra Pato, uh, who came over from Corinthians in Brazil. Well, we uh, did absolutely nothing with them. We mean absolutely nothing. Literally, literally has not played a single minute for Chelsea since they got him in the January transfer window. Uh, his fitness was lacking when he got to London, and apparently it did not get better. Uh, Goose Henning not liking what he saw. And, I mean, this is this is a team that, when Diego Costa was down, basically played without a striker uh, instead of trying to use Pato. Um, and it, it does seem kind of interesting that they're, they're thinking of shipping him back to Brazil with uh, Costa maybe getting a ban, um, and, and it's just it's it's bizarre, you know, to see to see what Chelsea's transfers have been like the last couple of summer uh, or periods, I should say. You know, last summer they stole Pedro from United, and he hasn't really done much for them. Then they get Pato in the winter period. Should be noted after Mourinho is fired, and they do nothing with him. So. Chelsea are very good. I'm sure, you know, if Alexander Conte comes in, I'm sure he's going to be very, very involved. But their transfer process with Ed Nazard maybe gone, with Costa maybe gone, who knows what the hell they'll get back. Maybe they'll recall everyone they sent on, out on loan. I, I, I just, Chelsea's transfer policy, this is obviously the weirdest bit so far, but it's just been very lacking the last couple of transfer periods. Well, I mean, we've seen in the past where, I mean, I can just say as a Liverpool fan, um, Mohamed Salah, you know, that was a guy who, um, you know, Liverpool thought was done and dusted coming in January transfer window a couple uh, season or two ago. And it was, it's almost like sometimes Chelsea, especially under Mourinho, Chelsea would just buy a guy because... Liverpool or Arsenal or United wanted him. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea knew that they could just come in with the money and they could get the deal over the line. I mean, and it's it's almost like they'll buy a guy just to be like, well, you're not getting him now. Yeah. And we don't really care what we're paying because we'll just send him out on loan somewhere. I mean, you know, I mean, a guy like, you know, uh, Mohamed Salah has gone and done great at Roma. You know, why? Quadrado. Is another guy. Yeah, why the hell did they buy Quadrado? Who knows? Well, he's a, and now he's on loan and he scored a goal in the Champions League for yeah, uh, Juventus. I mean, playing fantastic for Juventus. Um, you know, I just I really think that sometimes they just they buy guys just to block them from going other places, with no real intention to play them. It's just well, hey, you know, Liverpool didn't get him, Arsenal didn't get him, United didn't get him. <laughs> gotcha. So, oh, what are you going to do with him? Ah, shit. Eh, send him out alone. <laughs> he don't really fit our profile. Let's send him alone. So, um, it is, I mean, God, what was the number we heard that Chelsea had? Chelsea had like 30 or 40 players out on loan. Yeah, like an insane amount. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, there are guys on there who were, you know, great, hotshot young world players who are never going to play for Chelsea. I mean, it's like a no-brainer. They're never going to play for Chelsea. Yeah. But yet Chelsea owns them. Hey, Matt, uh, Matt Miazga is over there at Chelsea right now. So, Yeah, I mean, we'll see if he ever gets a chance. But, yeah. uh, 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we're going to go. I'm going to put a three minute timer on and we're going to see how many of these next stories we can get through uh, in news and notes. So we got three minutes. Uh, next story. Uh, to the shock of almost no one, Aston Villa's CEO is resigning. Tom Fox is gone. Effective last Thursday, or as we like to call it, the day everything happens. Um, did think it was very interested he said that uh he wanted to uh he wanted to take on a new challenge which Wes I don't know that there's a bigger challenge than trying to keep a club out of relegation well it's more fun to have a challenge when you have a chance to win once in a while um I mean there's plenty of blame to go around at Villa if this guy was a CEO I'm sure he had plenty of it that belonged to him Tried to implement a lot of things. Nothing really worked, though. And in the end, he's one of the, I'm sure, many heads that will roll at the end of this season. Um, let's head to an MLS, uh, where, where uh, Commissioner Don Garber has said that, nope, turf is going to stay around. Uh, DDA Drogba, among many other foreign players who come to play in MLS, who then basically don't play any matches on artificial turf, um you know, this has kind of come up and created a bit of a controversy. And apparently Garber is fine with it. And because I guess they said, hey, if it's fine for the Women's World Cup, it's fine for Major League Soccer. Oh, God. I mean, don't even get me started on turf. I mean, that, there have been great advancements in turf over the years. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I... I don't know. I guess I guess United States, um, you know, MLS cities can say, well, I mean, it's the middle of the summer, you know. Uh, I mean, the the grass is just gonna die. But I mean, I don't know. I just I think it sucks. I think, I, it's, I think it's horrible to play on. It's. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, I say it's not exactly the career killer that it used to be. Yeah, but it's not good. Not if you're older. We're not talking veteran stadium here. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still not... For, for a 38-year-old, it's not good. I mean, you're still just... You're putting undue stress on guys. But, you know what? I guess that's their choice. So, I guess that's where we're going. Good for them. Uh, Barcelona's Neymar has been fined 45 million euros uh, for uh, Brazilian tax fraud. I guess, Wes, we're maybe a little surprised this happened. I'm just wondering, would uh, would City pay the $45 million fine to sign Oh, God. Yeah, well, we do know who is being signed, and that's goalkeeper Timmy Howard. He is leaving Everton this summer and will be joining the Colorado Rapids, one of the worst teams and an MLS. So, a I think a very bad crescendo uh, for Tim Howard's very illustrious career, Wes. Well, I mean, unfortunately for Tim Howard, I mean, he's just, He's hit that wall, and he's, uh, you know, I mean, all athletes eventually hit a hit a point where they're not what they used to be. And, you know, for some of them, it happens subtly. And, you know, they just get a little, you know, they go down a little bit, go down a little bit. Some of them just fall off the cliff. And for Tim Howard, unfortunately, you know, a guy who as, as recently as the summer of 2014, you know, was almost single-handedly dragging the United States through the World Cup. And, I mean, now he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's no longer a starter for a mid-table team. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just lost it 
just overnight it went away. And, uh, you know, just to compare him to one of my guys, you know, Steven Gerrard, I could see the last two or three seasons he was there, I could see erosion in Steven Gerrard. Mm -hmm. But he could still play. Yeah. Yeah, he found other ways to be able to do it. For Tim Howard, it's just like, it's just gone. Yeah, and that's he, it's really sad. Is you stick a fork in him, he is done. I just but of course somebody in the MLS is going to take a chance because he'll be a draw. He'll be a good name. I guess I just wish he had gone to someone better than Colorado, but that's just well, me. But that's the thing. I mean, that, you know, Colorado needs people to come to the game. Hey, we got Tim Howard. That's true. And someone who doesn't keep up with him. Oh, yeah, we'll go see Tim Howard play. Uh, people will go see plenty of teams in the International Champions Cup. Uh, some notable matches that have come out in the ICC schedule this year. Of course, we will be going to Charlotte once again, third year running, uh, to see Inter Milan versus FC Bayern. That should be a fantastic match. Other highlights include uh, Real Madrid versus Chelsea, uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool, and Pasadena. That should be packed. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain versus Leicester in Los Angeles, um, and, and a bunch of other good ones. Liverpool also will be taking on Barcelona, but that will be back in Europe. So get In Ireland, I believe that's going to be in um, Dublin. Yes, uh, a, couple, a couple matches for Celtic joining the fray. Celtic, we go. All right, uh, to to that that's our soccer stories uh, for the week. Uh, let's move on now and to our. I called this our dumb NFL story, but it might actually not be a dumb NFL story. It's just a dumb story that involves the NFL. The NFL might actually be on the right side of this, though. Somehow. Who are you? Who are you? Where are you finding your story? Uh, this uh, Atlanta may actually lose their Super Bowl bid due to discriminatory bill. This is coming from the Examiner. Of course, this comes in stark relief when you uh, when you find out that North Carolina just passed a discriminatory bill today, like literally five hours ago. This happened, and now Georgia's trying to do the same thing. And the NFL, who was considering Georgia to host a Super Bowl either in 2019 or 2020, um. Is, is saying, hey, we don't really support that. So we're not going to probably host the Super Bowl there if this law gets passed. Uh, and and as for every terrible thing around the NFL, Wes, I have to... I'm not going to applaud them. I will give them a nice, firm golf clap, though, for this. I'm not getting deep into this issue. Um one, I just, I literally skimmed this story before we went on the air tonight, so I haven't really done my studying on it or immersed myself in it. Um, I just, one, I, I, I don't know. Um, I believe a little more in the state's right to make its laws, but whatever. Like I said, I'm not really getting into it. Um, but at the same time, I have no problem with the NFL deciding that if that's what they want to do. I believe the NFL has the right to do that. And, you know, if uh, – <clears throat> because I believe I did read there that Arthur Blank had spoken out against it. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, it, it is a – you know, the, the NFL is becoming more of, uh, I guess, an open – 
entity now. Well, they kind of had to. Yeah, and and what I mean more by that is, you know, and I'm not saying Michael Sam or anything, but uh, you know, it's just it's become more. The NFL is is still a, I guess, sort of a macho man sport. Mm -hmm. But there has been kind of a backing away from that, where now if you are an openly gay football player, okay, cool. Go run your laps like everybody else. Well, <laughs> you know, we're, we're getting more to the point where it, it doesn't matter that you're a gay football player or a straight football player. You're a football player. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's exactly where we need to be in this world. And the um, NFL, you know, they're not the only ones that have spoken out about this. Uh, I believe Disney slash Marvel have also said if Georgia does this, we won't be filming any more movies there. I believe at last. Uh, at least one, if not also this past one, the Captain America movies were filmed there. I believe so. Um, um, so those Georgia are huge. has become a budding um, uh, film industry. Is Archer done there? Um, I don't know if Archer. Oh, there's something I watch. Maybe it's a. It's not always sunny. There is something that I do watch regularly though. At the end, filmed in Georgia. Yeah. I can't remember. It might be Archer for all I know, but um, you know, it it has become a kind of a budding film industry in the state of Georgia. Uh, it's pumped a lot of money into the economy of the state of Georgia, and you know, just the morality police trying to you know trying to run things that that's gonna it's gonna do you more harm than good in the long run. That's that's and that's kind of what we I talked about this a little bit this morning is why are you turning down business? That's that's the question I, I always come back to is why do you turn down business? I, I understand some people have very strong religious beliefs, but just you're a business. You're 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 in this world to make money, and especially especially if you're the if you if you're a government agency and you're saying oh my god you know if it's your mom and pop. Uh, cake shop down the street, okay, whatever. But now all of a sudden the NFL is not going to do business with you. Now all of a sudden movie industries aren't going to do business with you. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. So well, I, That's kind of my thought on it. You know, as a mom and pop, I mean, if I own a um, what, what can I own, Ed? What, what do we like? If I own Wes's soccer shop. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Used to be one in Greenwood. I know you remember Neil's. Of course. Uh, well, we're going to open Wes's soccer shop here in Macclesfield, okay? Um, you know, I'm going to sell lots of Liverpool stuff. I'll have a little Tottenham section, and then we'll have our uh, clearance aisle, which will be mostly United and City. Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, if I've got Wes's soccer shop here, you know, I can I can hire you. I can hire Clint just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if I, if I decide that I don't want to hire – this guy over here, and, you know, to me, the reason is, you know, I just, I don't want a gay guy working for me. You know what? At the end of the day, that's my prerogative. That's my little mom and pop store. I don't have to hire anyone if I don't want to. But if I'm a government agency, or if I, I mean, if I'm getting a lot of, you know, if I'm receiving big time municipal money that's keeping me afloat, I can't do that. 
Or, I mean, even if you're a, a, if you're a bigger corporation, I mean, could you imagine if, and, and they wouldn't because I, they're, they're, the head of their company is gay, but could you imagine if Apple did that? Well, exactly. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Wes's soccer shop, if I don't want to hire, if I don't want to hire you because you're French, I don't have to. You know, um, if I don't want to, if, if I don't want to hire a Muslim, I don't have to because it's Wes's soccer shop. I don't totally agree with that, but I'll allow, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You know, the little mom and pop, you know, I mean, I don't have to come out and say I'm not hiring him because he's a Muslim. But if in my heart, if that's okay, you know, this guy's qualified, but I'm not hiring him because, you know, I've got two guys qualified for this job. I'm going to hire the one who goes to the Baptist church down the street as opposed to the Muslim guy. Okay, I, I can do that because I own the business. I, I own my own small business, and you can't tell me who I have to hire. Well, here's the quish question. Would you okay. rather ha- hire the Muslim or or just leave a spot in your employment list vacant? Well, no, that's the thing. Now, once again, though, that would be my prerogative as the small business owner. Yeah. But once again, when we start talking corporations – when we start talking, you know, um, as you said, you know, government, you start talking big business. Now you're really, you're crossing the line at that point. It's just the way I see it. You're kind of, you're crossing the line at that point, you know, at that point, you know, you, you, you do not discriminate based on sex, religion, creed, sexual preference, which truly sexual preference in a hiring process is none of my business. True. Yep. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't, as someone hiring somebody, I shouldn't say, sir, you date girls? <laughs> that's that's probably a lawsuit question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, that, that's not really my, my thing anyway. That's not really my deal. But um, as getting back to what we were talking about, you know, as you said, the state of Georgia you know, for this, these Republicans in the in the House and in the Senate, who you know they're they're trying to play morality police on you now. You guys are only shooting yourselves in the foot. Pretty much. At the end of the day, you know, because what I mean, what's the biggest thing that kind of pushes all government at this point? It's the economy. It's you know, hey, are we making money? Are you know? Am I having to pay as much in taxes? Well, you know, hey, if we're making more money, maybe we won't have to pay as much in taxes, you know. But when you're just, you know, you're taking money out of people's pockets because, you know, your decision is going to have ramifications down the line. Mm -hmm. You know, if I own a hotel in Atlanta, hell, you know, hey, Super Bowl week, my hotel is going to be completely slammed, sold out. I I can jack my prices up. Yeah. But hey, now if I don't get Super Bowl week in Atlanta, it's just another week, and I'm hoping my hotel's full. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you you are you're hurting you're hurting your own economy by doing this. I, I... And that's the thing: the economy supposedly is what's supposed to drive everything now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you're you're making a concerted choice to hurt your own economy. The the weirdest thing about this to me is that. And and we're we're not trying to get too political here, but this is about these kinds of bills, which happened in North Carolina today. It's trying to happen in Georgia. Republicans, I thought, were were the 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 party that didn't want 
government intervention. Yep. So. And they're and they're supposed to be the party. And yes, I'm saying this. I'm saying this as someone who normally votes Republican. Yeah. But you know what? Um, you know the Republican Party talks about they want less government, they want less regulation, and they want to push the economy. And right now, bam, 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 you just shot all three of those in the ass. Yeah. You know, you're hurting your economy. You're putting more government and more regulations on people. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you, you just shot your own argument now. I think, I think what they would argue is they're actually taking away regulations by not saying you have to hire people or you have to uh, cater to people of, of LGBTQ means um yeah but i i think at the end of the day you're you're discriminating against people you are regulating against a group of people either way well i say it's really it's coming down to morality police here and uh, yeah. i don't know man it's it, it, there's so much catch 22 in it yeah there's so much robbed from this hand to give to this hand <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's it, to me it's just it's more stupid government. Yeah, no, I'll I'll. Mm. If nothing else, hey, you know what? What does every Republican want? We don't want the government to interfere. Well, the government just interfered. Yeah. So you know, you've done it. You gone and done it. Yeah. So. Good job, North Carolina. Good job, Georgia. You're shining beacons of hope to us all. Um, because of time, we're going to skip our other big story of the week. I kind of feel like we just did another big story of the week. So we'll kind of go with that. And we will save this week's story for next week when we, quite frankly, probably won't have that much soccer to talk about since we'll be on international break. Just so you know, we are going to talk the Galker versus Hulkamania story next week. I'm I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it like like Hulkster teased uh, the Love Sponge's wife. Oh God! The, there's... By the way, my favorite, my absolute favorite meme that I've seen on that is a picture of Hulk Hogan doing a doing his uh, famous finishing move, the leg drop, <laughs> uh, doing it into uh, having his uh, his picture put into uh, a picture of Scrooge McDuck's. <laughs> Um, that. Hulk, yes, yes. And Hulk doing a leg drop into the vault. Oh God, <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, it's that's so... my favorite thing I've seen. We we will be talking that next week. Don't worry. Um, so Wes, let's get right into then. Watch for what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And, and at this point, you know, truthfully for me, not a lot of time over the last week. I'm actually now two episodes behind. On O.J. Simpson. Oh, no. Uh, God, I hope he's still innocent at this point. That's all I can say. I hope, I hope time has not changed. No spoilers. Um, no spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, Ed, at this point, though, we are a week away from the season premiere of Archer. God, I'm so excited. And I am. They, they have totally got me in on this season. Archer is going to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting to see exactly what the hell they do in Los Angeles. Who knows? But I am totally I'm totally jacked on it. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. 
and uh, I've been I've been getting my Archer fix, watching some Archer Nocturnal, which nice. uh, are midnight shows of Archer. Um, it's just been fantastic. And then really quick, just something to throw out there. Uh, you know, you and I have been talking a little bit about it back and forth mm-hmm. uh, about the PlayStation View service. Yes. And that scene that I don't, you know, you're more the tech guy than I am. Has something new happened with that? Because suddenly in the last week, I have seen it suddenly being massively advertised. Um, I believe, what did Maybe they do? releasing it or it's now available nationwide maybe okay okay that's it uh you know and uh that's something obviously you want to talk watch for um they're uh you know they're promoting over 100 plus channels uh live sports you know all the all the reasons wes had been maybe not cutting the cord at this yes. point um maybe maybe something i'll be looking into uh over the next uh, couple months. Oh, very exciting! Join, join the revolution, Wes. Um, as as for right. me, uh, speaking of streaming stuff, I have just about streamed all of Daredevil season two. I have one episode left. So, how much how much of season one did you watch, Wes? Uh, about five minutes. Oh, five minutes. Oh. Not that, not that I didn't like it. It's just when I started, I had to get off of it really quick, mm-hmm. and I just haven't gone back to it yet. Uh, it's it's super good. So I want it is it is still in my Netflix queue. Oh well, well now now you got to check it out. Season two. I don't know if I would call it as good as season one. Uh, I think in season one you had a very strong hero versus villain story throughout the entire. Uh, season here it's kind of absent of a main antagonist and i think that makes the show slightly weaker i will say this though john bernthal as the punisher is amazing he he is this show is basically season one of the punisher with with daredevil and electra in it um it's oh god it's so good he is he is fucking perfect as the punisher he's very very good and man there there's one because you never saw the the first big fight scene from daredevil season one uh which is one long continuous cut i think it's about a seven or eight minute scene it's just one long continuous fight scene uh no cuts or if they did cut that they they cut it very well is uh, is it as quality as peter griffin fighting the chicken oh better like it blows it out of the water there's two fight scenes this season that might be better than that one like like where you're like holy shit how did they actually film this this is really good um uh it's it's a little darker it's a little which you know i mean season one was already kind of dark um not, not the goriest moment of season one is still tops but there's more gore in season two, which, you know, because there's the Punisher and, and he, he likes to kill people violently, um, which is funny because I never have been into shows like that. You know what, Wes? I'm going to sell you on season two right now. You like Sons of Anarchy, don't you? I love Sons of Anarchy. There, there are shades of Sons of Anarchy in this show. <laughs> 
Let me let me just. Well, well, and I'll tell you, I mean, once you said the Punisher, you know, I was a huge fan even of the Punisher movie that came out starring yeah. Tom Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, once again, just the fact that John Travolta was the bad guy and was ungodly corny. Yeah. Whatever. But um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the Punisher the movie. That's one of those when it's on cable. You know, I'm watching it usually if it's mm-hmm. on. Um, so I've, I've always had an affinity for the Punisher. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would definitely, if you don't watch season one, you, you, there's, there's a lot that gets brought back in season two, where if you don't watch season one first, you might be like, oh, 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 okay. I, you all already know each other, I guess, for some reason, I guess. Um, season, season two is very, very good though. Uh, Elodie Young, who plays Elektra, uh, she, she does a good job. She does a good, solid job uh, as as Electra. So and just great, great fight scenes, amazing fight scenes. Um, I can't I can't say enough about it. I still don't think it's as good overall as season one, but that's like saying you know what, season two of Archer wasn't as good as season four or or whatever. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Like that's still better than ninety five percent of television right now. So, and that's that's what I would say about Daredevil. A, a a worse second season is still better than most of the television I will end up watching this year. Um, so on that note, speaking of better television, I can think of no better segue, Wes, to take us in to So Raw. Oh, that's not too disappointing. <laughs> um, all right, So Raw this week, we are two weeks well, at this point, we were uh, we were two weeks away from WrestleMania. We are now about a week and a half away from the uh, showcase of the Immortals, WrestleMania 32, Woo! Dallas, Texas. Funny you would, because Ric Flair is on my television at this very moment. Of course he is. So, um, yeah. Uh, since I didn't have any Champions League match to watch... And the only soccer match I recorded over the weekend was Liverpool-Southampton. No. And I'm not reliving that. <laughs> um, I, I've had Raw on during tonight's show. Um, <clears throat> we're about a week and a half away from WrestleMania. Um, it, was a, it was a good Raw Monday night. Not great. It was good. Better than some of what we've had. Not as good as some. Um, of course, you know, we're keeping every, everything at this point, advancing storyline, advancing storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Ambrose last week received a gift from Mick Foley. Um, Ambrose kind of the, uh, kind of the guy who's carrying on the, uh, the hardcore legacy, uh, last week received a symbolic, uh, barbed wire wrapped baseball bat from Mick Foley this week. Another hardcore legend, Terry Funk, who I highly doubt you've ever heard of Terry Funk. Nope. Um, I was I liked Terry Funk as a kid. He's uh, uh, his quotation is middle aged and crazy, <laughs> uh, and he is. Uh, he gave Dean Ambrose his um, his famous chainsaw. Oh God! From his run as Chainsaw Charlie back in ninety uh, eight. Yeah, we'll give him ninety eight on that. Um, uh, as I, as I currently am watching Ambrose, uh, chainsaw through a table at a bar in Philadelphia. Um, 
Ambrose getting that, you've got to assume something crazy is going to happen. Uh, he is having a street fight with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32. Nice. Um, so street fight, obviously, no holds barred. You can do anything. So you've got to figure somewhere that barbed wire baseball bat's going to come into effect. I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to get some blood in this match. Uh, I mean, you can't have this sort of a buildup and then not have, not let them bleed. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to tell you, you know, I really, really feel like they're building Dean Ambrose to, to have a really big 2016. <clears throat> you know, I've always said the night after WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania is kind of like the season premiere of Raw. Yeah. You know, you build up all year. WrestleMania is kind of your season finale. You go out with a bang, and then you start with a bang the next night on Raw. Um, I believe whatever happens with Ambrose and Lesnar, I think they're really positioning Ambrose to have a really, really big summer and fall coming up, which thrills me because I'm a big Dean Ambrose fan. Of course. Um, so that that match is just getting more and more build. I'm, I'm expecting to see Brock on Raw on Monday night. So uh, that, that should advance that and kind of build that to a crescendo. Um, the Undertaker-Shane McMahon match, you know, when they made that match, it kind of felt like they were grasping at straws. And, and while they're trying to put the match over more and more, they keep doing things that just kind of make you sit there and go, What? Suddenly this week, Vince McMahon out of the blue just decides to put a stipulation into the match that if The Undertaker loses, it will be his final WrestleMania match. Didn't say, you know, he's fired or he'll be forced to retire. Just it'll be his final WrestleMania match. You always have to listen to what people say in WWE Mm -hmm. because they'll say something and mean it extremely literally. (laughs) You know, you you may take it as, oh man, that means he's going to have to retire. No, that just means he can't wrestle again at WrestleMania. It means he could be on every show of the year, just not <laughs> WrestleMania. That's what we said. He won't be at WrestleMania. Okay. Um, to me, it's a needless stipulation. You know, it's a stipulation that I think they could have added in every show that Undertaker was, like, hesitant to wrestle the match because, quote, Vince McMahon was telling him to. Yeah. You know, he could have been threatened with that one. If you don't win, you know, you'll never wrestle at WrestleMania again. But he just kind of, Vince just kind of came out and like, kind of just cold announced it. No Undertaker there to respond, no shame there for it to go over. And I think WWE were really expecting to get a bigger reaction out of it. And when Vince said it, people were just like, okay. <laughs> so it was like, there wasn't much of a reaction from the crowd, which I think had them kind of like, oh, damn it, what the hell. Um, <clears throat> but that's just a match that, to me, it just it just really doesn't make sense. No matter what they've done, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, how am I supposed to believe that a 46-year-old executive who has been out of the company since 2009, how do you expect me to believe that he's going to step into the ring with the guy that you call the phenom, who's supposed to be maybe your greatest of all time? You know, how am I supposed to believe that he has a chance? So I've just I've not been overwhelmed with the build up to that match. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we could get a good match. Don't get me wrong. Shane McMahon is like notorious uh, for his huge bumps that he'll take. 
you know, it helps. I mean, if you wrestle like once every five years, I guess you can take all the bumps you want. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't really have to be like ready for anything anytime. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> that's there. Um, we advanced this week, you know, we got two segments of, uh, Roman Reigns this week. Um, the first one I thought was really good. Uh, Stephanie McMahon came out open raw is just, you know, trashing Roman, taking him down. Roman walks out, doesn't try to give one of his little cute speeches that pisses everyone off. Just, you know, was very matter of fact, very to the point. Uh, Stephanie went to slap him and Roman caught her hand. Oh, which was, you know, that got a good pop. And, you know, this is Philadelphia. This is a town that, Philly is a notorious wrestling town um, because they usually like the bad guys. You know, perfect for me, obviously. Obviously. Uh, the bad guys. But, um, you know, Reigns, Reigns has done a pretty good job to get over pretty well in Philadelphia, of all places. Um, they really like that part of it. <clears throat> there was a second segment later in the show where Stephanie McMahon was leaving before the show was over. Uh, because she she was she was scared of what Roman Reigns would do, so uh, Triple H who had who was not supposed to be there that night, Triple H pulls up in the uh, in the uh, the SUV and opens the door for Stephanie. First time we seen Triple H. All right, hey yeah, we're gonna get out of here before Roman Reigns can do anything. And then here's the part that just made me start shaking my head was. Uh, Suddenly, the garage begins to open. The garage door starts to open, and there's Roman Reigns standing in the garage door. Ooh. You know, just, me mad. <laughs> and when he starts walking toward the truck, you know, I'm expecting, you know, if I'm sitting in the back of this vehicle, and here comes a guy who's trying to whoop my ass, I'm locking the doors. I'm saying, dude, go, 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 get me the hell out of here. The next thing you know, it's like Triple H, he's dragging Triple H out of the vehicle. And it's kind of like Triple H is like, oh, God, what's going on? And now, he did beat the shit out of him, which was good. I mean, he, he put a good beating on him. And Triple H did eventually escape in his SUV. But to me, I, going back and watching it again tonight, I like the segment better. But in real time, I was sitting there going, this is corny because, you know, why the hell would he just sit there and wait to be drugged out of his own vehicle? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that was kind of my end on that. Um, that's building up. I think it's going to be a good match. I just wonder how it's going to go over. If Reigns wins that match, you know, the last thing WWE wants is for WrestleMania to go off the air with um, with Reigns getting the shit boot out of him. Yeah. Champion. Um, you know, unless they want to, unless they want to do something drastic on Monday night after. We'll see. We'll see as that goes forward. Uh, the other big match I'm looking forward to, of course, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. Um, they advanced again this week, uh, both trying to interfere in the other's match. Um, and uh, Styles, Styles just kind of, you know, venting his frustration on the mic to Jericho, which you know we haven't seen Styles talk too much, but he got he got the chance to talk some this week. It was good. It was good. So uh, I'm I'm still remaining optimistic about um, about WrestleMania. I did get some good news this weekend. What's that? Uh, WWE is going to be making their annual uh, North Carolina run in May. 
Uh, they will be in Greenville on, let me think, Greenville on Friday night, mm-hmm. Raleigh on Saturday night, and then Raw is going to be in Greensboro on Monday night. Oh. And that is, uh, I believe, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this moment, the boy and I are planning to go to Raw. Oh, wow. It will be my first Raw. I'm excited about that. You know, get to go to the TV taping. But I'm also sitting here thinking, man, maybe I can go to Greenville on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> maybe get me two WWE uh, events within about a three, four day span. Good luck with so, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, I found some very affordable Raw tickets at this point, so it actually could maybe come off. So we'll see. But um, yeah, so WWE coming to North Carolina in May. I'm excited. And everyone else should be too. Yeah, yeah. Ed, we sh- if I Ed, if I go to Raw, I will have a sign pimping the Foreign Affair podcast. <sighs> As you Y'all should. Are- well done. Yes. Well done. Make sure, make sure we we pimp a Foreign Affair podcast and Zlatan, uh, Zlatan, Zlatan to be guest referee at WrestleMania. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would sell tickets. Yes, it would. It would sell my ticket. Um, so that's gonna do it for uh, episode ninety nine of the Foreign Affair podcast. Next week is episode hundred, and of course, it comes during an international break. Yay! We How? Oh. We couldn't have known over almost two years ago that that would happen. Um, but that that is going to do it again for this episode. Uh, one more time, we do want to send our hearts and prayers to the people of Belgium and all the other affected areas um, in Europe and around the globe right now that are dealing with the uh, the terrorist activities. Uh, and and we pray that you know hopefully that you guys can recover a little bit and hopefully use football as, as just some sort of an outlet to, to regain a little bit of normalcy in your lives. Um, again, World Cup qualifiers this weekend. Belgium's friendly against Portugal has been moved to Portugal from Belgium. Um, so that is about going to do it for this episode, brought to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. However, this podcast is about to. Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? Um... Back in the middle of baseball season here in eastern North Carolina. Uh, the weather is um, improving by the day. Gorge. Until it goes to hell soon. Yeah. Um, but I uh, have had some fun baseball action so far this season. And uh, if, you want, if you're interested in eastern North Carolina baseball for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, stream us on Sunday nights on uh, WHIGTV.com. Why not? And you can also find us on Twitter at AFA Pod at NGSC Sports. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. You can also find our sister television show uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at All New Sports oh, Show. Really quick, Ed, uh, speaking about Twitter, uh, I got a retweet this week from uh, none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, give me a hell yeah. Did. Um, and uh, the drive to 300 uh, followers continues. I'm up to about 230, I think. Hey, only 70 to go then. Um, we'd also like to thank uh, NGSC Sports, obviously, but also like to thank our other great podcast distributors, including, including Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, 
oh god the itunes music store the tune in radio app there's too many tunings um iheart radio and podbean.com as well as the cavalcade of others so from a call and crime west bradshaw i am edward green thank you so much for joining us here on episode 99 of the foreign affair podcast have a great easter weekend be safe and enjoy the world cup qualifiers leave we'll leave the light on for you belgium As my my lamp literally turned off. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.